0: Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Today on the podcast, we welcome Dylan T. Meyer. We're going to talk about rakes. Although it's uh, simple and low cost to implement on most operations, the hay rake can make a big difference in your forage crops and its value and overall quality. Today, we're going to be talking about different types of rakes and their impact on forage quality and what types of rakes might work best in different scenarios. Dylan, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself?
1: You bet, John. Uh, appreciate you having me. Excited to talk about some rakes today. I am the territory sales manager uh, covering Nebraska, Central, and Southern Wyoming as a territory. Uh, I've been with Vermeer. This was my second hay season, as we like to call it, and going on to my third year with the company. Grew up in agriculture, you know, like a lot of us did at Vermeer. down in, I'm a native of western Kansas, so a little different than kind of where I've been in Nebraska now for the last going on five years, but uh, we've made the transition and it's been a good one. So, you know, one of the things I enjoy most about my role with Vermeer is working with dealers and customers that are just, a, just as passionate about the agricultural industry as, as what we are. Um, I enjoy making customers more efficient. I think that's kind of all of our goal of us that work in agricultural industry. So again, I appreciate you having me and I look forward to talking about some race.
0: Can you tell me what are the three main types of rakes? We're going to set Tedder's aside here, just talking about rakes.
1: So talking about rakes specifically, it's one of those things that over the years, probably one of the least changed pieces of agricultural equipment. Uh, Obviously, every manufacturer kind of has their own methods that they find to be the most effective, and they kind of roll with that. But The hay rake from the very beginning has not divulged as much as, say, your combines and some of your larger implements have. But nonetheless, every manufacturer has made their own unique advancements in technology. And we'll talk a little bit about what sets ours apart. Wheel rakes are the most common type of rake in North American forage operations, mostly because of their simplicity and and low entry-level cost. Uh, They can cover a lot of ground fairly quickly. Uh, They're ground-driven and simple to pull with pretty low-horsepower tractors, so you don't need a a great big 200-horse tractor to get an entry-level rake. Um, On next, you have your twin rakes or bar rakes. They're typically referred to as power rakes, hydraulic rakes, but there's some different terminology depending on where you are in the country. Uh, Vermeer, we most often refer to them as twin rakes. Uh, They're hydraulically driven and can handle heavier, wetter forages in addition to performing well in dry hay. Uh, these rakes are known for creating really good looking windrows and keeping ash content like dirt out of the forage um, and make a a bit better than other rakes might a, a bit better windrow. And lastly, uh, rotary rakes. They're also a hydraulically driven rake. They can handle a wide variety of forage types as well. Uh, they tend to work a little better in your mountainous, more hilly regions. Uh, they cover a little bit lower rake width. But uh, yeah, those would be the kind of the three types of rake that we work with at Vermeer.
0: As a producers considering what kind of rake to use, what questions should people be asking about the rakes and, and looking at in their operation to make that determination on a purchase?
1: Some of the questions um, that we and our dealers like to ask our customers for one would be how many acres are you looking at covering with this rake per year? Uh, how, how rough and what size are your hay fields? What types of forages are you going to rake? What moisture levels will those forages be? And of course, what's your budget? That seems to probably be the, the most, uh, the biggest determining factor, deciding factor when purchasing any piece of that equipment. Obviously, what we kind of lean to here is on your wheel rakes, they're going to be able to, back to them being the most common rake used in North America, you can use them in a wide variety of fields, whether they be smooth or rougher fields different types of crop, grass, haze, alfalfa, sedan grasses, cane, corn stalks, whereas your hydraulic rake uh, is going to be a little bit more specific to your, I don't want to say smoother fields, but your grass, haze, alfalfa, stuff that's not ridged like your corn stalks might be. Of course, question always is, what's the customer's end game? You know, we see a lot of guys nowadays grinding, material to go into a tmr mixer uh, at which point those hydraulic power rakes seem to be a little bit better option back to keeping that ash content out of the grinded product Uh, when they when they go to grind that bale they see a lot less dirt and dust and as we call it ash uh, in that product so
0: real quick the reason we call it ash is when you send that forage sample into the lab they actually burn it and see what is physically left. What portion of that is physically left? And when you get into things like dirt that that doesn't burn, that's left in the sample. And under ten percent is a, a relatively good number on ash. So just a little context there.
1: You bet. Yeah, I appreciate it. That actually was news to me. I was not aware of that. So
0: the lower that number, the better. Uh, sure, but it's also really hard to get under that, like four and five and six percent. That's kind of the lower threshold.
1: Right. You know, growing up in, again, in western Kansas, we fed a lot of cattle with hydrobed and unrolled all of our hay uh, that we fed to our cattle. And, uh, you know, when, when doing that method of feeding, your ash content was not, I don't want to say a big deal, but it wasn't a noticeable factor when you were out there in the wintertime unrolling a bale versus, you know, now we see a lot more producers go to the bale processors and the grinders to go into a TMR mixer, at which point we see a lot more customers concerned about that ash content in their hay.
0: What's going to be our fastest option, and what determines what's the fastest option?
1: Fastest as far as rake speed?
0: Looking at acres that you'll cover in a day?
1: Sure. If we wanted to kind of dive into some of our different types, I'm going to say wheel rakes are, are going to be your productivity per hour they're going to be your best option with wheel rakes at Vermeer we have a 8 wheel, 10 wheel, 12 wheel and then our high capacity series we have our 14 wheel and our 20 wheel uh, you get up into those high capacity rakes the 14 wheel for instance that covers a 28 foot rake width and your 20 wheel covers a 40 foot rake width versus your smaller wheel rakes covering 20 foot, 22 and 24 feet um, and back to your your rotary rake typically covering a little bit smaller Rake width. So when it comes down to your productivity per hour, a wheel rake most often is going to be your best bet. Ground speeds able to be higher, and back to the you know clear up to forty foot rake width. Refer to our rakes at Vermeer.
0: I'm just doing some math here really quick. A mile is five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. Five miles an hour uh, get you twenty six thousand feet in an hour. Times forty feet and forty three thousand five hundred and sixty square feet in an acre. Forty feet. Wide at five miles an hour gets you twenty five acres an hour. That's uh, that's fairly fast.
1: <laughs> that is pretty good production, and I will say, <laughs> I, I would like to see guys running that five mile an hour. But most of the time, when a rainstorm's coming that <laughs> night, they're going a lot faster than five mile an hour. <laughs> you might so be pushing you, it. You huh? could probably you could probably bump that production up to to double that. in most you know, hay operations seems. Uh, over the years, everything's gotten faster, and uh, guys like to rake faster than what they did, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. So,
0: now talking about a 40 foot rake in a small field, that, that might not be a good option, right?
1: Correct. When we get into our smaller fields, in fact, I, I'm going to use an example of one customer of ours who is a custom operator, uh, runs a couple of our self propelled balers. He actually has a, one of the 14 wheel high capacity rakes for his larger. Bigger fields, his rougher fields, and he's raking corn stalks, so on. But he's also got one of our 12-wheel rakes, or we call them a carded rake, that uh, covers 24 feet. Uh, So you're not sacrificing a whole lot of production, maybe a little bit of ground speed, because it's, again, not a high-capacity rake. Uh, But he uses that rake to do a lot of his pivot corners and his smaller nook and cranny-type fields versus that 14-wheel or 20-wheel rake. Where it's not a carted rake and it all folds up instead of coming up on top of the frame to transport, it's a little bit more of a bugger to to get it back in some of these smaller fields. If you've made hay your whole life too, and you know what it's like going down some of these trail roads to get back into places, <laughs> a lot of times anything you can gain in transport efficiency is a win.
0: <laughs> oh, there's there's some limitations on road widths and some of the fields. The gates are an issue sometimes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah our carded rakes are our best-selling rake, just beginning with the fact that they are the best entry-level price point, but also they are a good uh, low-cost option for your larger hay operators to be able to have as kind of a backup rake slash, you know, rake for their tougher-to-get-to fields as well.
0: Take me through the different types of hay and the different moisture content. So say that I'm doing some October alfalfa and for me that's really late third cutting that's really wet and hard to get dry what would work well in that scenario versus you know the the fourth of july when it's 100 degrees and everything dries in two or three days
1: right so to touch on that a little bit for your wetter type forages i would definitely recommend your hydraulic power rake uh, mainly because of the motion at which it throws the forage product into its windrow Uh, is able to provide it with a little bit better opportunity to dry down versus, say, your wheel rake wood. When it comes to alfalfa and and grass hay, for that matter, too, you know, a lot of producers like, and and again, this is guys that aren't going into a grinder right away. Guys like to kind of typically in my area run that 15 to 20 percent moisture. We all know sometimes you got to push and be a little higher than that it's just the reality of how things go you know that some parts of your field are going to be 26 percent and others are 16 and chances are you're going to keep running and bail up everything at the pretending it's all 16 you <laughs> know that's not the case <laughs> right so uh, when, when that is the option your guy who's doing majority of alfalfa in this last couple of years in nebraska you know, we, with the flooding and everything, we've had some higher moisture content forage than what we've seen in years prior, and we, and we've seen a little bit of an uptick in our our hydraulic basket rakes because of that. And also, uh, a lot of times, your guys that are doing large numbers of grass and alfalfa hay uh, typically aren't doing the numbers of cornstalk hay, so that hydraulic rake's a little bit better uh, in those types of crops where you know our our wheel rake gives you the opportunity. Well. Every company's got their own, most of them have a spring, a suspension spring on each wheel to help the wheel race kind of follow the ground contour. Ours runs a hydraulic cylinder on each wheel instead. And uh, with that, that kind of gives it that opportunity to to do better in your rougher fields, you know, your pothole type fields, ridge corn stalks, where if you're not doing a lot of that type of material, doing more of your grass haze, hydraulic rake's going to be a little bit better option for you.
0: All right. A minute ago, you were talking about the hydraulic-driven rakes and how they handle wet, heavy windrows a little different. And what you're getting at there is the shape of the windrow.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: So what is the shape and size of that windrow? How does that come into play?
1: So with that hydraulic rake, you're able to make a little bit more of a pretty rectangular-shaped windrow versus a wheel rake. You're going to get more of that kind of gob of product thrown into that windrow. The way that hydraulic rake grabs the product and tosses it, it's able to kind of shape it in a nice square, wider windrow, giving it an opportunity to dry down a little bit better. You know, your your wheel rake does a fine job. Obviously, that's why they're the most common rake in North America. But when you're fighting moisture, uh, that hydraulic rake, because of the shape of the windrow, you know, the good square rectangular windrow, Gives you a little bit better chance at dry down. And mainly that's because your your windrow is a consistent thickness throughout it. It's not, you know, your wheel rake. When all that product gets jammed in there, you know, on your outside edges, you might be six inches width on the outside of your windrow, but 36 inches in the middle because it just, again, throws it kind of all into a gob. Especially when you're in higher yielding hay. Your hydraulic rake, again, you're going to have more of a consistent, probably within a few inches windrow across the entire five foot, four foot, whatever you set your rake with to.
0: In my experience, where you have some moisture coming up out of the ground from one day to the next, you actually, you wick moisture up. Those hydraulic rakes do a better job of inverting the windrow to get the bottom up to where it'll dry.
1: Correct. Yeah. And we actually, on both our hydraulic rakes and our wheel rakes, we offer what we call a center windrow splitter. And that kind of helps with that as well, what you're referring to. It it helps, you know, you throw that forage product in towards your windrow, but it also splits the middle of the windrow apart as well so that you're not just pulling your outer windrows in on top of your inner windrows. You're actually splitting that center windrow as well.
0: One of my other tenants is that the shape and weight of the bale is often dictated by the consistency of the windrow.
1: Yes, that's correct. It's a pretty common misconception you know we run into this a lot talking to producers that the the baler makes the bale and that you can have the cheapest old rake that you get on any old farm auction and if you have a good baler it's going to make a pretty bale and sometimes you can compensate with a good baler no doubt but what a lot of guys don't understand is that your bale appearance starts with the rake um, you know, if you don't have a nice square windrow in front of that baler, you're not setting your baler up for a very good chance of success.
0: And that's the case whether we're talking about small squares, round bales, or big squares.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it matters whether you're talking a small square, large square, four foot round baler, five foot round baler, having a nice square. Heavy, consistent windrow in front of your baler is going to set you up for success. Yeah, bale appearance always starts with the windrow. It's really important to keep windrows even across the bale chamber in order to get a good-looking product when the bale is kicked out.
0: And then the ideal windrow, exactly what you're looking for there?
1: When I refer to your ideal windrow, you know, in this country, we have a lot of six-by-five large-round balers. Uh, So we kind of like a a five-foot windrow in front of that baler windrows that are considerably wider than that, then the baling chamber may result in a, what I call a saddle-shaped bale, whereas dome-shaped windrows might turn into a bale that's taller in the middle than the outside. I call them football-shaped bales or egg-shaped bales. So the ideal windrow is exactly the width of the chamber. So it's pretty, pretty simple, but then again, uh, it gets missed quite a lot in the world of raking and hay.
0: And which rake makes the best windrow?
1: Without a doubt, the power rake, the twin basket rake, like your our, our models, being the R twenty three or twenty eight hundred. Just again, because of the reasoning that they make that nice square rectangle shape, consistent looking windrow. Um, I, I tell guys all the time, if you don't have a large variety of crops that you're raking together, if you're mainly grasses alfalfas and not doing anything in the corn stalk side of things or you know a large variety of crop a hydraulic rake is what you need to be having in your operation they just there's no comparison the windrow that a hydraulic rake puts out behind it with any other rake on the market
0: i completely agree in fact i actually have a hydraulic driven twin rake (laughs) so i i would absolutely agree with that now, you've talked through some of the different types of rakes, but can you take us through the full lineup that Vermeer has?
1: You bet. Starting off, we have our VR series that makes up our wheel rake family, and within that realm, we have five different sub-models. Starting with our Vermeer VR820, that is a eight-wheel, 20-foot rake width. Then that moves up to your 10-wheel, 22-foot rake width, our VR1022, and then up to our VR1224. So... Every number on our rakes means something. <laughs> we try to kind of keep that consistent across all our product offerings at Premier. Uh, but those would be our standard capacity VR series wheel rakes would be our 820, 1022, and 1224. 8-wheel, 20-foot, 10-wheel, 22-foot, 12-wheel, 24-foot. You get up above that to your high-capacity offerings, and that's where we get into our our vr 1428. Again, 14 wheels, 28 foot, and then our 2040, 20 wheels, 40 foot. So that would complete our our wheel rake lineup at Vermeer. You get into the twin basket rake offerings, and we have our tried and true R23 and R2800s. Uh, The R23 is a 23-foot rake width, and the R2800 is a 28-foot rake width. So again, numbers mean something. Last but certainly not least product offering in the rake world at Vermeer would be our our R one forty, the R standing for rotary rake, and the one four meaning fourteen foot rake width.
0: Running those hydraulically powered rakes with the wheel rakes, there's no hydraulic requirements, or if there is, it's just kind of an up and down cylinder. Uh, that's a very very simple two hose kind of setup, maybe even sometimes a single hose setup. But going to that uh, hydraulically driven rake, sometimes you have some hydraulic flow requirements. Sure. What, sure. what are we looking at on those, and kind of what size tractor does that relate to?
1: So that's a great question. Uh, a lot of times when it comes down to our R-series uh, twin basket rakes, it's more of a hydraulic demand issue than it is a tractor horsepower requirement. We, we like to see eight gallon a minute coming out of the tractor to be able to run those uh, hydraulic rakes at a consistent consistent speed. Uh, where we kind of like to to see them running, that would be both our 23 foot or our 28 foot basket rake. Again, there there is a horsepower requirement that we recommend, which is 70 horsepower for the 2800. I want to say, and I looked up the R 2300, and it's a 35 horsepower tractor requirement, so it's actually lower than the rotary rake for horsepower more often than not it being a hydraulic issue before it's a horsepower issue on those rakes that's a great question uh but we really like to see that eight gallon a minute to give those rakes a, you know set them up for a chance to perform the the best of their ability the rr 140 the rotary rake is a little bit lower horsepower alternative to your twin basket rakes requiring a little bit more horsepower up around that 70 horse but either one of them you could get by with eight gallon a minute hydraulic flow
0: sure we've done an episode about tetters and i want to tie in when you might use a tetter and a rake in the same operation in the same cutting like in conjunction with one another
1: sure tetters are something that kind of just became a little bit more of a commonality in my territory here within the last year year to two years again back to the some wetter wetter years than we've had in years past We kind of like to see our customers get in there with their tedder within, I don't know, three to four hours after they knock that crop down, and then get in there about a day later with their rake. Typically, that's giving you that 15 to 20% moisture content through your baler at that point, if you can give it 24 hours after tedding it before you go in and rake it.
0: Gotcha. So what uh, the idea that I'm trying to get at here is tedder, spread it out, and then the rake's bring it back together
1: yeah go in with your mower you layer down flat or in a case of a conditioner into a windrow get in there with your tedder three four hours later spread your windrow back apart give it 12 to 24 hours for a a chance to dry spread clear apart and then you can go back in there with your rake right in front of your baler is the philosophy is behind tedding is essentially we call it hay in a day it's kind of the principle so the, the end game is to be able to have that forage product cut, tetted, raked, and baled within 24 to 36 hours.
0: That's pretty fast. Even, that's, even by West Coast standards, that's fairly fast.
1: It is, especially are in a little bit more humid climate uh, down where, where I'm at. And just the, the thought that you can get hay put up in 48 hours a major improvement over what i was used to growing up you know which was more like four to five days (laughs) right
0: right thank you so much dylan for those of you listening if you're interested in learning more about the lineup of vermeer rakes you can go to www.vermeer.com forward slash rakes dylan thank you very much
1: you bet